Hello. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Very enthusiastic for episode 90. Oh my gosh, it is. Episode 90, the big 90. The big one. As they say. Wow. Uh, I don't know who they is, but. I'm kind of like, sorry, I had to adjust my mic. Um. I'm kind of in disbelief about it. I try not to think about it too much. Right? Like, <laughs> if you think about it, then it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, what did we do to ourselves? Yeah. But we've been doing it to ourselves consistently. So, yeah. so you know, we... Good for us. We committed. It feels like imposter syndrome where you're like, we no, definitely I didn't committed, do that. Like, if this is a bit, we committed. We really did. <laughs> we did not one off this. This is a, this is a committed... Listen. Podcast. Yeah. So we thank everyone who's sat with us this far. Yeah. No, thank you so much. It's been it's been fun. I've learned a lot and I've also forgotten a lot. And then every now and then I'll be like, oh yeah. I know. It's really useful because like I don't always like remember details from the previous topics. You know, oh, someone yeah, will no. be like, Oh, what's this and this? And the point of history isn't to memorize details, it's to understand how it affects history, mm-hmm. how it affects our current times, all that. So it's nice when someone mentions something and I'm like, Oh, I know what that is. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I don't remember details, but I've got the general concept. Yeah, I've got a like, vibe you know what around I'm talk- it. You're talking about. I also I feel like I've learned a lot about. I mean, I know we haven't done a whole bunch of like African history, but compared to like the zero that I had before, yeah, yeah. I'm like wow. I feel like I've learned, you know. Yeah, and that's cool. It's so. very fun. Yeah. Well, how are you doing? I'm okay. You know, it's been a, it's been a chill day. It's Friday. Nice. It is what it is. Yeah. I'm. Next week, we're supposed to be a little bit cooler outside. Can't wait. And, uh, yeah, please. Please. <laughs> yeah. The beginning of this week was nice, and then it hit us again. The heat yeah. did. So. Yeah. We had, like, two days, literally, of, like, ooh, it's a little chilly out. And now it's, like, 90. Cal calls it chilly. I call it I need a full, like, a full coat. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, ooh, maybe a light cardigan. You know, like, the, the what's your favorite date? Oh, April 25th. Yes. <laughs> that is that weather to me. Like That's low fair. 60s. That's nice. Yeah. All you need is a nice light. <laughs> a nice light sweater. Yeah. I uh, I had a very long day at work. Yeah. So my brain's fresh off of a, a long day and she's got some complicated notes and I do feel bad for her. Don't feel bad. I I have not lost the energy yet. I, I felt very energized. I I should explain this. A lot of my Fridays are in theory. I'm supposed to leave work at noon. I don't think I ever have. Um, <laughs> but we had a bunch of stuff happen to one of our properties today by fault of the construction crews working on the roads that um, are not always conscien- conscientious of historic homes and the damage they do to properties while they're just building away. Um, and then a legal contractual thing not a problem, but an opportunity came up. Um, but honestly, it was kind of exhilarating to be in the room where it happens. So I know. Well, you told me when it, what happened, and I was like, ooh, I'm very nosy by nature. Yeah. I want to know what goes on right? like, behind the scenes, which is why I was like, okay, we can push recording back, but only if you tell me what's going on. <laughs> well, it, was, it was so interesting because like, this is definitely something that's like, if you look at like the title of my position and the organization I'm in, I don't have to be anywhere near these decisions, but um, the my director, there's really just two or three of us in the office. No, no, there's three of us and then, like, some docents and everything, but, like, we, um, the way we work and everything, like, it would be very easy if we all wanted to just, like, stay in our lanes and not, you know, communicate, mm-hmm. but we're a small enough group where we can, and it was really, 
I, he, like my director gives me credit all the time when I'm doing stuff. He'll tell people like, now Kat organized this. This was all her or this was mm-hmm. like her brainchild. Or it's really nice because a lot of directors wouldn't feel the need to do that. Yeah, no, and my boss is the same way, and she will definitely give credit when it's due, and mm-hmm. it's it's honestly so nice. It's so, especially after working, like, in shift work mm-hmm. for such a long time, where, like, your credit, like, you sometimes get credit, but, like, people don't understand how much went into it. Yeah. But my director, like, the he got the email, and then he walked to my office, he's like, hey, here we go. And I was like, oh, 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 okay. And so, like, you know, yeah, talking it over and everything, it was just really, really, it was so weird, because, like, they were asking me like like there were questions being asked of me of what i thought of like legal jargon and stuff and it was one of those things where i just realized that like i am very very valued there and like they they like i am trusted yeah so it was very it was very very um that's draining but so also exhilarating because i was like i do not feel like i'm being walked on or used for labor isn't that nice it was although i will say Speaking of your title, as your friend, we have we have discussed for a long time that Kat's title deserves to be associate or assistant director. Yeah, <laughs> they just won't give it to her. Well, we're we actually brought up that discussion a bit more today. I'll tell you about it later. Um, mm. But I it's like we can't pay you. The it way doesn't matter. The title is the, well. I mean, pay does matter yeah. a whole lot. Well, that got brought up today too. Not that you know we have the. <laughs> Yeah, you can talk about it all day long, but until you have the. <laughs> but yeah, well, we acknowledge yeah. that something will have to change because of the way our organization is getting structured and mm-hmm. looked at and everything. So yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, but I know like a hundred percent that the obstacles in my way of you know are not in any way like my director or anything like that. He yeah. fights so hard for oh, me yeah. and it's so nice just so yeah it was a very exhausting day but very good um yeah and cool. also encouraging and frustrating just all the emotions in one so yeah well, yeah it's a friday so exactly and we'll be recording another one in like 48 hours yeah, so. so you won't have to hear us ramble because we won't have anything to ramble about there you go yeah hopefully nothing will happen. actually no i have to be at work at i think four five thirty in the morning oh yeah it's so. a big weekend for our, our town <laughs> I just want to lock myself inside, but can't do that. God, Gotta go to work. Let me work. tell you, living in a college town on weekends when parents have to be here for whatever reason mm-hmm. is a nightmare because it's already weird enough to drive here. Like, it's already weird enough to drive oh, here. Oh, yeah. But, like, these parents just have no idea what they're oh, doing. Oh, I got caught behind a Minnesota car, oh, a Minnesota God. minivan this morning, and I was literally about to slam my head on the steering wheel. Oh, I was like, you got it. This is a 45, ma'am. You are doing 20. At this point, it is not just I watching know. the road. It is, like, irresponsible. You're like, in you're, Texas now. Like, you are going to hurt someone yeah. by going that slow. You're in Texas. You got to You gotta catch up. Yeah, Come you, on. You will Come hurt on. yourself. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. So, but, at least it's just a weekend, and then everyone should be cleared out. Yeah. And I keep reminding myself... Everyone will be very occupied, right, for most of the day tomorrow. You just so gotta I'm work like, around their schedule. Yeah, you just have to avoid the roads at certain times in the day. Yeah, well, there's a lot of there's like corporations in our town that have like big events, so you just gotta like know your city's uh, calendar pretty well, and just like we like lock ourselves inside on certain days, and just we're like, I'm no, I'm not, you. I'm not brave in it. Or if you're gonna go get dinner, you gotta like, you drive to the next town over. Yeah, like, you drive. I mean, which here is only, like, 20 minutes out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, 
but here 20 minutes is a long drive which is so funny because like you're from dallas and i'm from houston yeah and 20 minutes there is like down the road yeah <laughs> it's, it's like, like okay but here i'm like oh god that's across it's town. like not gonna make it oh my god that's such a long drive <laughs> yeah things but, you understand if you're from just a smaller well, place yeah in general. small towns yeah yeah it really messes with your perception of distance oh i know and one of my sister's european friends they they're always just shook they were like, how does this... Texas is a... That summer camp I worked at that had oh. a bunch of um, employees from foreign countries, I, they mm. were all like, what is this? And I was like, actually, this is also a misnomer because the camp was in the middle of nowhere. It was in a... Un- it was so far out, it was in unincorporated territory. territory. Like, it did not have its own, like, yeah. postal... Like, yeah. And so yeah. they were always like, this is crazy. And I was like, okay, even this is not normal. 45 yeah, minutes for the nearest, like, restaurant is not normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. But uh, anyway, anyway, sorry, that was well, me rambling because my brain was recharging. For and a few also seconds. rambling because Texas is too big. Mm-hmm. But we'll jump straight back in. So um, not a shocker. I had to split today's topic because if you've been following, I've been knocking out the uh, uh, big Mesoamerican pre-Columbian um, empires and influences. So I've done the Mayan, the Aztecs, the Inca, um and I was going to just talk about, you know, the conquest of each of those today in a short little summary. But that was um, way too much. <laughs> I told you. I know. I know. I know. I, I didn't even attempt to do them all. I actually just decided I... that I would make today part one and mm-hmm. next week part two. Well, for us two days from now, part two. So today I'm actually not. I know that our theme for 90 was supposed to be like, like, yeah, civilizations okay. that met their demise listen i kind of well kind of i kind of i kind of fudged on the theme too, okay but it's still in theme and i feel like yours will be too okay because today i've decided to talk about conquistadors as a unit how they functioned and stuff okay, i i'll accept that and then next week i'll talk about the individual regions and how the conquistadors in those areas went about destroying them i'll allow it okay good i was and needed that approval i really did um as the president i'm the president and you're the ceo of this yeah, podcast we're both the board of trustees <laughs> i'm the director and you're the board president yes there we go we'll use the nonprofit model there we go um we are very generous wait, hr oh hr appa no okay no kitty's, no. HR. kitty's hr kitty's hr appa is uh resource allotment operations manager there you go (laughs) and by that he just hits the mic (laughs) yeah that's fair i am petting kitty right now he's see he's hr he's hring that's his job okay so yes this as you can guess is a pretty messy topic because um i am leaving the actual like case studies of the individual places to Next week, we won't get into anything too terrible or... Appa, what are you doing? Sorry, he likes to chew on plastic because okay. he's a freak. I just wasn't sure if he was getting into something he shouldn't. No, he's he's doing his operations. He's like, you need a okay. Ziploc bag? I got it. I got you. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, this week shouldn't be anything too gory or terrible. I mean, other than the fact that we are talking about conquistadors who are kind of pretty terrible. They are. I would say we can leave out the kind of. They are pretty terrible. There you go. We'll leave out the pretty two. They are terrible. terrible. <laughs> there, we got there eventually. It's like the the way that women speak with all the qualifiers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't have to put in qualifiers Ma'am, on if there. you wouldn't please mind, maybe actually, possibly, when you have a free <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
so the term conquistador literally means conqueror. Um, they have been present all over the world at varying points. Um, the the real I think people associate conquistadors with Mesoamerican civilizations, but I like that's because that is the education I have received, and we are in America. So other countries might think of conquistadors entirely differently and associate them with other events because like they've been everywhere, like yeah. Africa, um, like the Americas, anywhere where there was prospect for riches. Yeah, and not only are we in America, which obviously is you know very relevant mm-hmm. but we're in texas. texas yeah so it's like double whammy yeah like we associate confused stores with with the Americas. central and south yeah. america yeah yeah and, so, and north america i mean there's parts of oh yeah the u.s that were like colonized Florida. by yeah and honestly basically all of the south like through to california yeah yeah there's big influence everywhere so i'm not sure if that's a universal i'd actually love to see feedback on that i, I kind of googled it and i didn't get a very straight answer on it so well, if so you're from another know, country yeah unless and you, you've been through the education system it's yeah. hard to know what they focus on you yeah know? so if you're from another country and have an t- entirely different like when i say conquistadors your brain goes to an entirely different geographic area tweet at us and let us know because i'm very curious right now um but yes they came from everywhere they went everywhere they have a myriad of backgrounds some of them had battle experience others were you know just wanted mobility or had this desire to move among classes in a very stratified class structure back home Mm -hmm. um some even had parents or ancestors who couldn't pass along fortunes to them because either they had gambled it away or there was bankruptcy or maybe they were just bastard children like like not in a bad way but like in the actual way of the term like yeah the definition. illegitimate there yeah. we go that's a better word um and couldn't receive hey cat have you been watching Game of Thrones? i have way too much um i literally couldn't think of the word when i was writing my notes so i was like Ugh. yeah um but so there's a lot of reasons that conquistadors joined up that sounds like they enlisted in something. Um, we often, I when I was looking into the, um, you know, what other countries think of when they hear conquistadors, I did find a lot of mention that many of the influential or big name conquistadors were backed by the Spanish monarchy mm-hmm. or monarchies in general. So they get talked about a little bit more because not only did they, you know, do terrible things and accomplish a lot, not accomplish a lot, but like take over big spaces of land, but they're backed by very influential people that mm-hmm. make them part of his like historic. Yeah. Events. They weren't just like some guy doing some weird things. Mm-hmm. It was like, I was authorized I and by the funded mm-hmm. and approved stamped and sealed delivered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So these conquistadors come from everywhere. Um, There are Greek and German conquistadors that, you know, it's a Spanish term, but you don't have to be Spanish to fall into that group Mm -hmm. or participate in their actions. We do know of at least one or two female conquistadors, so that's not entirely out of the realm. Um, Women can be bad people, too. Yes, let's acknowledge that. If you ever want to read a really interesting book on that, I recommend reading Hitler's Furies. That's a fascinating book on female psychology. and like. Ooh, you've talked a lot about this book. Yeah, I it's good. hope to one day. It's very interesting. It uses some very interesting case studies, but it is a bit uh, terrible. Like They talk directly about some of the stuff this woman did, so if you don't 
love bad yeah. stuff. As always, check trigger yeah. warnings yes. and stuff like that. Just it's a good advice for any media any, consu- yeah. you consume. If you're especially if you know topics. it has some, if it has Hitler in the title, you can yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so some of these conquistadors were already independently wealthy, but like I said there's a very rigid class structure in Europe right now. And a lot of them are just trying to form their way in the world. And like the best, fastest way they can think to get rich is through the subjugation of other people. There you go. There you go. That's a good way to put it. What a, what a theme throughout history. Yes, it is. And it's still with us. Yes. And so some, I mean, they, they're not, they're not like, they're not idiots. They know that this is a very risky journey. You still have to cross the sea if you're coming to the Americas. Um, you have to bring everything with you. Like, they, the, the word that had circulated back after Columbus first shows up is that there's these lands of riches, but the words Columbus used are words that I don't use to describe indigenous people in this podcast, but it made it very clear to everyone back in Europe that they didn't quite have the same technology that the Europeans did mm-hmm. or ability to defend themselves. And soft targets. Yeah. Exactly. And so when people were coming over, they're like, oh, they're not going to have the stuff we need there. So mm-hmm. we have to literally make, all, if we're going to bring cannons, we got to make them and put them on a ship. If we want to bring horses, we got to put them on a ship. So literally everything you could possibly need. It's like when you're going to um, summer camp and you're a lot, literally not going to have anything except for like a cot and maybe running water. Mm-hmm. And you've got to like pack everything. Um, yeah. 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 And it's, very dang expensive, which is why a lot of monarchs did fund them. We see a lot of percentage deals here because, I mean, if, if you're poorer and you're signing up to be a conquistador, you're not going to promise them like, oh, I will bring you this much. I will, you know, this much money will come back because what if you don't find it? Then you'd be in mm-hmm. debt to the crown. So a lot of them promised percentages like, oh, I will give you this much of what I find for the monarchs. And the monarchs were like, okay, yeah, that's a pretty fair payout for them. They aren't hurting for money. Mm. compared to the regular folk um conquistadors by nature end up being engaged in some very turbulent situations not just with the indigenous people but with each other because they are competing for funding Mm. um and what they find sometimes you have mutinies and revolts within your own ranks or maybe you got two conquistadors leading their own little armies and they're fighting over who found something first and i mean it's literally some of those rivalries ended in death. Like they would murder each other for riches, which I'm like, I feel like that's also an occupational hazard. If you literally go to plunder other civilizations. Yeah. I have a hard time feeling bad for you. I feel zero badness. Yeah. Um, not at all. No. Sorry, so, buddy. Yeah. Sucks. Doesn't it? So, um, the, were you taught the three G's? I'm assuming. God's guns and glory. God, 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 God gold, glory, God, gold, glory. And then, Guns and germs were the other guns one. Guns and germs. There's too many G's. I know. It's, it's Jared Diamond, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's G. Take the word. Take G words away from that man. He's done enough. <laughs> but it's it's very true. Um, I saw multiple articles mentioned that. I mean, in school, it might be because I was raised in a uh, certain school system in America, but we were always taught that they were kind of like three three equal influences that people just really wanted to bring God to them and they wanted the glory for themselves and they wanted gold, but it becomes very clear. The more you read that God was kind of the afterthought. God was like the excuse. Yeah. 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 And that glory was kind of your like tied with first place. But at the end of the day, what do they want? Riches. Cause that'll Mm -hmm. bring you glory. So, um, we'll talk about 
gold first then. Um, uh, the reports that Columbus made and brought back weren't like outlandishly um, extolling the riches of the land necessarily. He wasn't like bragging about he also never made it to like the true yeah like yeah. the mainland he was he just on some did. islands yeah i'm just kind of using him as a reference because no no, he was no. The i first mean yeah because yeah. he had to bring reports back I, no yeah. i get it but it, it makes sense that why he wouldn't be like this way this land is so because yeah. you're just on like an island that's not a particularly like mm-hmm. fancy island mm-hmm. yeah and be like okay i guess yeah. there's some stuff over here exactly and so after a while it took the first kind of it took a few years for people to like reach the mainland and then start writing letters back and then for those stories to be kind of conflated and that's why we still have um i hope columbus felt like an idiot i really hope i mean and him did. being like it's india i hope he felt like such a dumbass well i mean you know the whole thing about um syphilis right oh yeah yeah right yeah it's syphilis right i don't know yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I'm not 100 percent. We'll sure. talk about it later because I'm not entirely sure how accurate it is. I need to like do like statistic research on that. But um, yeah, like there's this sucks. old like legend, wives' tale thing, like joke among some historians about how certain STDs weren't present before mm-hmm. Columbus made it to America. And they have to be transmitted in a very interesting way. So yeah, um, we'll talk about that maybe another day. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, over time, people do start to write home, and these stories kind of grow bigger and, and broader and more um, over... I don't want to say over-exaggerated, but in some ways over-exaggerated. Ex- and with forms of currency and the way the gold standard was at the time, any mention of gold was enough to get people over there. But talking about, you know, a city of gold was going to oh, draw yeah. anyone in. And there's a lot of stories about, like, El Dorado... If you've ever seen that movie, it's a good... The Road to El Dorado. Classic. That's a, that's a fun one. Um, but there were multiple legends among multiple groups and conquistadors about this city of gold. Also watch National Treasure 2. Um, <laughs> and some of those expeditions were sent specifically to look for these civilizations. Again, often privately financed um, with assurances from monarchs about you know, receiving a percentage cut. But if you're like, oh, I just got to fund one dude and I'll literally find a city of gold, it's obviously a good enough deal and payout. Yeah. Um, but that's also why it's hard to tell a little bit about how how much gold they really found, how prevalent gold was, you know, did they really line the streets with gold? Or, mm-hmm. like, you know, how much of it was lost, how much of it was melted down, how much of it was used in idols. Yeah. And... Or are these large stories about cities of gold legends that were kind of made up around the campfire, so to speak? So gold is obviously the main motivator, but we can't be 100% sure what really caused the the belief that, you know, you could find it so easily or readily. Yeah. Um, and glory, that one doesn't require a great deal of explanation. No, I think... I think we got it. Yeah. Personal, of course, when you've been stomped on your whole life, you're, you you got to show up your best bud, you know, be like, hey, guess what I did? I found El Dorado. Imagine coming home to that, you know? Oh, got to admit, that would be that quite would be a... a flex. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also are sitting in a situation where lots of European countries are competing against each other for 
dominance, uh, both in land and resources and finances at this point. There's enough turmoil that they're, they see this exploration and funding explorations as kind of like a proxy way to come out on top. Because not only will they receive a percentage of whatever is found from the groups they finance, but they get to turn to their neighbor, give them the middle finger and say, ha ha, guess what? We took this land. Mm-hmm. We're expanding our empire. That like land is as much of a status symbol as, as wealth at this time as anything else. And then like Cal said, we've got our last and final one, God. And it is important to remember that this is as much a justification as it is a motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, many monarchs who funded these conquests put stipulations that required the buildings of churches and um missionary uh like that they had to bring along people to like save the souls and i think it was their way to both appear philanthropic but also ease their own consciences oh yeah it's serving a lot of different purposes Mm -hmm. i feel yeah but when your conquistadors are building like missions and forts like together and you're like oh maybe maybe militarizing religion isn't like great they should have caught on to that one just saying um you know they should have am i surprised they didn't no (laughs) no no not not even a little bit yeah and i mean it came to me while i was sitting there i was like the conquistadors a lot of them probably i mean many of them were religious but if you were truly doing this for religious reasons you would have come along on the trip as a missionary not as a conquistador, not oh, yeah. wearing your, you know, fancy helmet and carrying a sword. Yeah. So your intentions become very clear, my friends. Um, so weapon wise, you've got a myriad of different war tactics, weapons and techniques to invade indigenous people, because you're also facing cultural differences here. You've got indigenous people who wear armor. Um, that is, I think I talked about it during the Aztec episode that they had like quilted fabrics and stuff they would even like put it in salt water sometimes to like toughen it up and Mm -hmm. they had all these techniques that worked relatively well against other indigenous groups but not so much your conquistadors um but also the elaborate regalia that indigenous people would wear into battle to as symbolic makes them very distinctive on a battlefield so if you're looking to take out all the commanders mm. and all your commanders are wearing a similar like like uh, piece of the regalia, it's really easy to pick them out and take them down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see where that would be problematic. Exactly. Yeah. And conquistadors um, tend to be very bloodthirsty. Um, so they're not going to really, what is the term? And uh, they give no quarter. They are not taking prisoners. They're not negotiating. They're literally just concerned with the land and the gold they're going to find there. So while indigenous people are taking um, conquistadors prisoner and stuff like that, maybe to sacrifice to their gods or maybe to bargain with them or something like that, it's much easier to for the other conquistadors to come along and be like the other people on their mission, at least to come on and like steal them back out of the camp. Because you mm-hmm. left him alive. Mm-hmm. Rather than if you just kill him on the bat- battlefield, no one's coming back, you know? Yeah. Um, even though a lot of conquistadors had military experience, because there's been a lot of, like I said, there's been conflict in Europe leading up to this. There's some wars, the Italian war. Like, it's, it's messy. So a lot of them have, you know, combat experience. Mm-hmm. But this is not a 
well-organized military machine on each of these missions. And that provides a problem from them because essentially everyone that you bring with you is a mercenary. Yeah. Like they are, they are, there's no standing army. There's no No. conscription or obligation. They're there for money and they'll kill and stuff. But like, if they want to leave, they'll just leave. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, have a hard time getting back to Europe probably, but like, if you wanted to just like run off and go, live in the mountains yeah. no one was stopping you like they couldn't and you're not really. gonna get in trouble or yeah. i mean you probably did get a little bit of trouble and hate but like in theory you just left if you wanted to mm-hmm. um so i mean most people did stay through the mission or at least attempted to stay through the end of the mission because like you did all that work you sailed all this way a where else are you going to go and b you're not going to get any payment until right you find something they did have, you know, with their battle experience, even if they weren't a European um, unit, they functioned like one. So you see very similar um, strategies, captains leading different um, units, not the word. I bata- Battalion, battalion kind of works. Sure. It's not Groups. quite the word I was thinking of, but yeah. People. Group. People. Yeah. Animals also play a very large role in warfare. Mounted riders have a huge advantage. I mean, that is kind of a universal thing. If someone's bearing down on you, it is much more difficult to defend yourself from the ground than it is to literally just, like, face someone, you know, eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Um, horses, you know, weren't present in the Americas, no. which is a very... It really pisses me off in movies sometimes when you see, like horses being ridden around in pre-Columbian situations in the Americas. And I'm like, no, that's not it. Yeah, that's really wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, that's just, yeah, just, that's just inaccurate. It's, it's not great, but um, it does. Uh, the, the horses are good for more than just, you know, battle. They are also able to transport materials. So if they tear down a city and want to rebuild it in their image, they're going to rebuild it a lot faster because you know, who didn't have load bearing or, Pack animals, the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. So they can rebuild in their image very quickly. They can also drag their supplies along with them very quickly. Um, and they have the capacity to carry heavier loads. And that means advanced weaponry like cannons. You know, only mm-hmm. only your, big, your biggest conquistadors could really afford right. that time and space to bring cannons. But, like, you could. Horses also allow for the use of lances and longer range, like not ranged weapons, but they give you a reach and right. protect so you're not the like rider. Right up close, exactly. Yeah. Um. And you know that's. I think who was it that was using the obsidian? See, I can't even remember my own notes. Uh, they blurred together. Um. I think there was an Aztec. Az- it's Aztec or Mayan. Um. It might be mine. It might also be both. Like the, pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. To use a, a like some sort of javelin or like a range throwing. Mm-hmm something like that it's i mean it's pretty universally a weapon across yeah. most cultures um but that also gives them an advantage over the enemy's you know mm-hmm. lances because you can both throw one at each other but the one flying from the guy on the back of the horse who's above you is mm-hmm. gonna you know hit a little bit harder yeah also attack dogs mm. because i never thought about dogs in that way and i was like oh yeah yep definitely a military tactic if these people have no idea like the the breeds of dogs that you've got with you and stuff yeah could you imagine like never seeing a dog before and then just having a doberman like sprint at you oh my god that'd be terrifying that would be terrifying i mean like i 
Because a horse, I could see it, like, it's close enough to, like, a llama. Honestly, what happened to, like, especially pre-contact people is, like, aliens came. Yeah. Wearing, you know, like, full metal armor. And you've never seen metal you've manufactured. You've never seen metal like that. You've never seen these big ships they're on. Mm-hmm. You've never seen the animals they're bringing with Their them. Their language sounds insane. And, like, it's like aliens came. Yeah. It literally. Yeah. They and look I, nothing like you. Like, yeah. it's... And they're, like, pale and pasty. And and you have no concept that this part of the world existed. Exist. I just can't even imagine. It would be... It's so disorienting. Oh, my God. I mean, the only equivalent would be if aliens came. Well, and the terrible and the even worse thing is it, that a lot of these civilizations were not defensive at first. Yeah. They were willing to mm-hmm. welcome these people, even though it could have been... Like, like they had no idea what any of them could do. I know. It, it it would be like the equivalent of if somehow, you know, in the early stages of human history, mm-hmm. a group of us, I don't know, a meteor hit, and this is fictional, broke off a chunk of the earth. Yeah. And it floated into space and we accidentally colonized another planet. Colonized is not the correct word. But humans, like, we populated, populated another, another planet. Yeah. They advanced faster than us, come back, mm-hmm. and then, like, could you imagine? Mm-hmm. It would be a completely different species basically yeah yeah we, insane yeah insane and and if you were like oh welcome back or not or like back, oh, but hey, like welcome hey guys. you know yeah, you seem like, to you have some whole, really cool humans? stuff you want to trade we'll help you survive here because you do not know how to survive in this land because mm-hmm. you're kind of stupid and like pompous and think you know everything because you got prepare. here first Ooh. yeah and don't know how to farm the land but we will show you and help you and mm-hmm. then they turn around and kill you yeah literally I just, people I think have a hard time, not, you know, not everyone, obviously, but like people have a hard time putting themselves in those shoes. Yeah. You know, especially the people who like defend Columbus and everything. And I'm like, you yeah, also, have to realize like, this is insane. I really believe that most people who defend Columbus um, have not read a lot of the primary documents that have really come to the forefront of that discussion over the past couple of years because they don't want to. But there's mm-hmm. like so many documents from like high ranking people, like, I mean, even in our history, uh, is it President Jackson that wrote the memo? Oh, God, that, I don't know. That, that literally instructed people to give indigenous groups infected smallpox blankets. Sounds like something Jackson would do. Maybe it was, it was, was it the Trail of Tears president? Jackson is the... Isn't he? Oh, God, I'm not Jackson is Trail of Tears. I think he is. Yeah. yeah uh, let me double check that. Actually, will you check that for me since you got... JK, that, it is Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I double okay, checked. Okay, okay. Um, so, yes, I, it must have been him that wrote the memo. It's him or someone in the government that was, like, really high up, but, like, literally wrote to people and was like, hey, put, in like, diseased blankets purposefully to get them sick and wipe them out. Like, yeah, they there's no joking. And we see that in pre-Columbian stuff, too, about, like, ways, talk, people talking about ways to most effectively eradicate, at all costs, the population living I in mean, the it's, lands they it's, wanted. I mean, it's biological warfare. Yes, yes. It is against Geneva Conventions. Um, so, yeah. Anyone who's... If you're if you're still on the fence on how to feel about Columbus, uh, I'd go back and read some of the stuff he wrote because it's disgusting. He openly writes about terrible treatment. Oh, of, yeah. He's, like, not... Even... <laughs> even by standards. He... <laughs> I think even he... Was it him or... He was stripped of his another, titles. Yeah. Yeah, he was, was stripped of his titles. And another conquistador that were, like... 
even back in the day, they were like, hey, oh, no. bro. Yeah, the other conquistadors were like, bro, stop. And then his monarchy literally recalled him and stripped him of his titles. That's what he deserves. I was about to say, if someone was dishonored in their own time, I don't know why we honored them ever with a day. I don't quite get that one. I... But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I wish I could explain it. Yeah, but, but alas, happened. Um, yeah. So, um, wow, I went on that rant and lost my notes a little bit. Um, I, it was one that needed oh, to happen. Animals. Yes, we're talking about how we definitely crazy could not be. get through our episode about conquistadors without talking about Columbus. Columbus so. Yeah, I actually saw multiple articles that were like, "Was Columbus the original conquistador?" Like. Did he intend to, like, kill people? Nope. He was literally looking for their land. And then he was like, oh, yeah, let's just kill them. Great. So, um, yeah, imagine a Doberman or big dog running at you and you've never seen one. Terrifying. Yeah. So animals are playing a large part of this expansion. Um, The conquistadors, I'll talk about this a little bit more because it's more prominent in some of the Mesoamerican civilizations than others, have an animosity between them that is exploited by the conquistadors. Um, When you've got Mm -hmm. so many small city-states, if you don't have a way to really draw them together and make them unified, there's a lot of infighting. It's the same thing that happened in Africa. Yeah. Which is so frustrating when people are like, well, Africans sold each other to the slave trade. It's infighting. They didn't like each other either. Do you think... Europeans didn't like each other. We're all white. <laughs> like, God. Yeah. No, we... Um, Let's use our brains. Yeah. Critical thinking skills. <laughs> That's a bit difficult for me right now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. The the conquistadors knew how to play people against each other. And it doesn't help that... I mean, not all of them, but some of those civilizations had, like, clusters of cities. And one of them would, like, some of them would supply a large percent of a staple crop or something. And if you need to destroy someone, you take out their resources first. So if you destroy, like, the cornerstone city that's either providing religious leadership or agricultural stability or something, you're going to leave a gap that can't be filled. And those other cities that were relying on it are going to crumble. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, some were better, like, had kind of everything you needed in a town. So you didn't really have to trade as much. But... Uh, like we talked about last week with the Inca, like they didn't have a money system. They relied on, right. you know, everyone paying their taxes and tributes. And then that got redistributed evenly to the people. Worked great. But if you're going to have someone attack your grain stores and your maize and your, your, your maize fields and all that, like, yeah, there's, you're going to be unstable very quickly. Oh yeah. So physical arms, um, we are still using swords. We've got crossbows, which pack up punch um we've got cannons less common of course because those are heavy but they obviously call cause mass destruction as well metal armor was common as a european standard but when they realized that the weapons from indigenous people weren't quite strong enough to pierce them anyways and also metal armor in a humid climate oh no rusty sweaty not great all of the above um, so a lot of them lightened up on their armor and switched to something more like the indigenous people would have had pressed leather, quilted fabrics, etc., etc. It's so frustrating that they were like, you know what? Your armor is actually really cool. We're going to use it. We're going to use it to defeat you. To kill you. Yes. Yeah. Ugh! Jerk Ugh! move. Yes. 
So indigenous people tend to have, you know, weapons that the, obviously the Europeans were like, whoa, this is very unique. Um, we are not used to fighting this, but they were very good with those weapons. So, I mean, they could hold their own one-on-one, -on -one, if you're not counting guns, like physical combat, they could hold their own pretty well. But if you have someone charging at you on a horse with the same weapon you have, you're still at a huge disadvantage. Okay, I'm going to pronounce this so wrong. I think it's pronounced harquebus. Sure. It's the most common firearm at the time. I'm not a military history person. Um, it's, it's similar to a rifle. It does take a while to load, but again, it is a bullet. Mm -hmm. A bullet... Every time. Every time. Like, there's no... win. Exactly. Like, every time. <laughs> yeah. So, when they looted, obviously, these civilizations, they did it in different ways, and I'll go into the individuals of Mayan, Incan, and Aztec next week, but... They took whatever they wanted. Raw materials were easier to deal with because you can disperse them a little more evenly. Like, you can literally break them up, which usually meant that cultural arts and religious iconography were destroyed in the process. Like, gold, they would melt it down to be able to hand it out more evenly. Mm. Um, silver, precious stones, obviously some gold. Natural resources in general that they didn't have back in Europe were all valuable. Yeah, New World silver. Mm-hmm big deal yeah i'll get into like the worldwide effects of that in a second um rewards were often dealt out in percentages according to rank and hierarchy so if you didn't find much your lower soldiers are going to get disgruntled because they're not going to get a lot that's why they kind of start to institute the encomienda system mm-hmm this was stressed, like, so much when I was a kid, and I don't know why. That like, I really never, familiar, I, I never forgot this. Like, all my schools hammered this one into me. Um, it's land that's conquered and colonized, and you hand it out to a soldier or conquistador. Mm. Usually the lower-ranking ones, because, like, what are, like, yeah, if you give a higher-up guy higher, gold, the you guys can take there that to back get, to your yeah, family and Europe. Those people are there to get money and get mm -hmm. out. They're not here to stick around. Yeah, and your lower soldiers are, they're not going to, like, complain, but they're also, like... Oh, thanks. Like, what am I going to do with land? I have to stay here now. Like, jeez, oh, you've burdened me with this. Exactly. Um, and usually indigenous people were on that land. So you had a choice, kind of, if you were one of the lower soldiers and you got, you were part of the encomienda system instead of receiving, like, like gold or something like that. Because you were expected to be a warden of that land and in turn force all the indigenous people there to either convert or follow your ways or your religion. But in reality, it's a way to enslave people because if you're part of the encomienda system and you're granted land, just bare land with nothing on it, that's one thing. But if you are granted land and there's an indigenous group living on it, mm -hmm. they took them as slaves. And that right there is a massive, um, is a, it's a massive, not, I, mm. I don't know how to say this without it sounding as horrible as it is, but it is horrible. It's it's a massive motivator to stay because you aren't going to be doing the work on the land yourself. You're going to enslave people and they're going to do it for you. Yeah. So within a hundred years of the conquistadors showing up, like we're talking like not even the conquistadors within a hundred years of Columbus showing up, they had plundered and stolen over a hundred tons of gold and dozens of thousands of tons of silver. Probably something in the Jeez. realm of like 25,000 tons of silver. Can you imagine what... <sighs> yeah. I want to think about it. I know. I know. 
like just the artifacts and what we would know right about these civilizations if they just even if they had to conquer it if they just didn't melt stuff down take it back and sell it as horrible as that is but Uh, don't destroy the culture either way you would have destroyed the culture but yeah yeah um so gold was the flashy draw for conquistadors. I mean, Cortez knew that the Aztecs had some because he got gifts upon his arrival. Again, the indigenous people were like, oh, okay. Dudes we don't recognize. Alien life form. We'll vibe with them, I guess. What else are we going to do? Wage war? Nah. So they gave Cortez gold and they were like, I mean, some of them also thought that there was like a religious aspect to this, that this was yeah. like a, a god or something. But, um... You know, conquistadors were never sated, so they kept going with their greedy little wandering hands. And instead of finding more gold, they found a lot more silver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it was interesting. I decided to watch. I know you didn't love it because it just was really fast for you, but I loved um, Crash Course History in mm-hmm. high school. And I was like, I swear I remember there was one on the conquistadors in, like, the New World. So I got to go back and... Um, listen to it and watch it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is helping so much. So listen, I see the value in it. Yeah. I, the specific reason I don't like it is because it was recommended to me so many times Mm. to study for the AP exam. Yeah. And it is not a helpful study tool and maybe like a review the night before, but like, I use it for review, not a helpful study tool. I'm not saying it's bad and I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just not, the reason I have beef with it and not even necessarily with it, just the people who were like, cause I like Googled like, what's the best way to study for the AP exam? And mm-hmm. everyone was like, crash course, crash course, crash course. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. There was definitely a hype around it. Awful. Yeah. I personally did find it very helpful to study because my brain, I tend to get so focused on details that I lose the overall picture. So it was really helpful for me, but I totally understand why it's not for some people, why it would be like, just not, it, it was overhyped too. I was like, not everyone can learn from this technique. It's a great review. Yeah. But, like, you do have to have more nuance than right. than it offers for something like the AP test. Yeah. And it just moved really quickly. And I, you know. Yeah. It's it, it's well done. But it, I just, the way it was recommended for me to use it was not helpful. Understandable. And that's why I have problems with, yeah. not that, just the people who were like, yeah, do it. It's great. Yeah. I, I, I was just f- excited to find a way to still, that I remembered it still this, you know, eight years later. I was like, oh, this is kind of sentimental like throwback uh, for me crash course is iconic it is it's icon- anyone who does a history mm-hmm. that's our age it's you know you know it you know it well yeah. um of the greens and their impact yes uh, still to this day they're they're icons um yeah. among certain circles i.e me i am that circle um but yeah so um the indigenous people here used the Mita system that I mentioned a little bit is that forced labor that especially uh, you saw in the Inca empire, because, you know, without financial currency, labor was your currency. And so you had to work, you know, um, in exchange for resources and the Mita system was already in place in some places. So it was really easy for the conquistadors to be like, Hey, let's just do this. Let's just feed them. <clears throat> they claimed very poorly, uh, very terribly, and force them to work, it's, like, it's it's slavery. Yeah. It really is. I mean, if you don't have the power to leave your job, like, if someone physically will not let you walk away from it, that's, that's, that's enslavement. Um, so, 
in certain areas of South America, especially, it was cheaper to force indigenous people into labor than to buy slaves and bring them over. Sorry, to buy enslaved people and bring them over. I'm trying to be better about that. So sorry. Um, so slavery wasn't as prominent as like in parts of South America as it was in parts like Mexico, which I found very interesting. Hmm. Um, and if you look at like population distribution and demographics, like it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you um, mean like, like, like how trade developed along the coast and stuff? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah okay. Yeah. Like yes. how we see trade and up, gotcha. up towards Texas and like, gotcha. um, like talking about how cowboy the original cowboys aren't white at all. The original cowboys are people of color. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. There's a lot of our history that got really messed up in movies, but um. Because of this, we do see a huge influx and change in population demographics. But in South America, again, it's way cheaper to force the indigenous people to work for you than to try and buy other human beings and force them and, and you know, yeah. put them on a ship and bring them down, which is awful. Um, there's, I don't want to say benefits. There, the, the conquistadors saw an opportunity by enslaving indigenous people too, because they knew the terrain, their bodies were adapted to that terrain. And in in places like the Andes mountains, you're in high altitude. If you've ever had altitude sickness, if you're like me, a girl from Texas, that altitude sickness, if you're not prepared for it, it'll kick your butt. It'll do, it'll do you in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love the mountains in Colorado. The first time I went on them, I was pretty young. And I was like, why do I feel so crappy? And my parents were like, uh, take this. <laughs> you get car sick, right? Mm-hmm. Huh. I wonder if there's a connection. Because I have i didn't get altitude sick. and I, I did not, it the I second time I went sick. to Colorado with friends. But the first time I definitely did. Because you were young, maybe. Maybe. Or just panicking. I was a very anxious child. And maybe the, really? the thin air. i was so afraid of dying we talked about this i had this terrible fear of dying i was just anxious child um wow yeah that is so shocking Catherine. i know we are never amazed never pegged you to be an anxious Uh, child yeah anyway um so yeah indigenous people's bodies were used to the terrain that they were being forced to work in and uh they were it was it's quicker replenishment if they died. Mm. When they died, usually. And this is really common in the mines. Because tunnel collapses, etc., etc. So there's this horrible benefit that the conquistadors are getting from using not even their own men that they that would have received spoils of what they were plundering, but the indigenous people to gain materials for their it's it's awful um Mm -hmm. mining silver also uses mercury which can be deadly in exposure and it's so risky and it's very common that these indigenous people would just die because of the work in the mines not just because of cave collapses but the exposure to the stuff they were using and so some of them like knew it was a death sentence and they would purposefully injure themselves to get out of this work like like how people injure them like it's terrible but the what they were talking about a few weeks ago with the russian conscription how in russia like the search results for like like how to safely injure yourself went way up it's like that um because i mean 
injuring yourself, even if it's like permanent lasting damage to your body, is better than being dead of mercury poisoning for them. So the Spanish mines alone using forced labor would produce something like 150,000 tons of silver between the 16th and 18th century, which accounted for approximately 80% of the world's supply of silver from just the Spanish mines. This pushed Spain to be the richest in Europe for a very long time, and it it didn't force, but it allowed the standardization of silver as the currency, which didn't totally benefit them. Because, Because of this, Spain sees rapid inflation um, without adjustment, and they didn't adjust tax rates either. So the royal family and governing bodies don't seem too terribly worried about the radical economic change happening, and they they don't react until it's too late to get a handle on it. But this silver, they just see the benefits. They don't see that, oh, we need to adapt to this change. We're just going to use this change. So the silver allows them to enter into a bunch of wars, and they start colonizing, like... That's the most European thing I've ever said. Oh my god! They were like, let's just take all the money we got from killing people and taking their land and kill other people and take other land. Not only is it the most European, that is the most American thing you've ever said. Oh man. Oh wow, you're right. Um, Yeah. Uh, You ever get slapped in the face with reality? Yeah. Every day? Uh huh. Every day? Well, did you talk about. Oh, no, that's an economic thing we can talk about later with China. I have have thoughts on what's going on with the currency standards in China right now. It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who got involved? I have thoughts on this. That is the most... You know the organization we were both in in undergrad? Yes. That is the most... That thing I have ever heard. I know. You need to shut your mouth right now. I know. It was bad. I caught it the minute I said it. Um, So... (laughs) Um, yes, those wars, um, by 1519, Charles V is named the head of the Holy Roman Empire, which effectively puts him in charge of Austria and, uh, Spain, Spain, pain, Spain. I thought you were trying to do like the lisp. No, I'm in pain. Um, his goal was to unify central Europe, which many German nobles were like, not a big fan of because they're like, hey, we have more power. If you try to unify us and take away our current governing system, we lose power, et cetera, et cetera. He eventually splits up and gives up, honestly, the not holy, not Roman, not empire between his kids. <laughs> which I always love uh, that they call it classic. the Holy Roman Empire is neither it's holy, n- not Roman, and nor is it an empire. Um Every time. Um, So Austria goes to Ferdinand. Spain and the Americas go to Philip II, which is where we get the name for the Philippines. Um, And there's a whole bunch of fighting going on on the other side of the world with Spain and stuff, which is not so relevant to this side of the discussion, but it does affect Spain's hold over the Americas and their strength after a while. But all of this stuff going on because of the influx of silver and they're engaging in warfare and getting too big for their britches forces Spain to take out loans that they eventually default on throughout the 1600s. Uh-huh. Nerds. Which, losers. Yeah. yeah. Um, which means most of their silver is still headed to Europe, but about a third of it is making its way to China. China. Through trade and purchasing. Sorry. <laughs> um, and this sets off, again, we talk about how history is all inter intertwined 
but all that silver making its way to China is about to cause them major economic changes. What year did the Opium War start? 1800s. 18, I don't know the exact year, though. I cannot remember it. Um, it but this is going to set the stage for the economic and interpersonal spheres of influence that eventually cause, you know, that lead to things like the Opium Wars. Like, you can trace everything back in a if-you-gave-a-mouse-a-cookie situation. Um, <laughs> for those of you who do not know, that, that book is a childhood book common in America. It's like, if you give a mouse a cookie, you have to give him milk. If you give a mouse a <laughs> thing of milk, you have to give him, like, uh, a napkin to wipe his mouth. Like, that, that kind of situation. So, can like... We, can we make a version of that, but it's, like, about the world the history? Like, I was going to say world history in general. If you give, if you give, if you give a conquistador... Ship, yeah, if you can give, give a conquistador ship, he'll go to Americas. If he goes to the Americas, he'll kill, he'll a, lot kill a bunch of people and send silver back to the monarchs. If you give a bunch of mon- silver to the monarchs, they'll it'll artificially inflate themselves. And if you let people artificially inflate their economy, they'll join wars. If you let someone join a war, they're going to start the opium wars later in China. Like, you can do that. Hold <laughs> on. <died. laughs> what? <laughs> Ferdinand getting shot? No! Say it, please say it. Is it bad? No, don't say it. It's bad. It's not bad, but where it starts is bad. Because if it, where it starts is gonna be bad. If you give a terrorist a plane, no, Cal, stop. <laughs> hold on, hold no, on. No, 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 that's not okay. I'm not making fun of that. It causes 9/11. If you cause 9/11, you create my chemical oh romance. Oh my god. <laughs> create my chemical romance you create my chemical romance fan fiction if you, you create, create my chemical romance fan fiction you get twilight you, get, you create twilight if you, if create, you create twilight, twilight you, you create 50, 50 shades, shades of gray, gray. <laughs> i told you it starts off bad but it's not where i'm going that's bad <laughs> good lord i mean i can't you the terrorists did use a plane what what am i supposed to I know, say i know it just sounds so bad it does it, there's no good but way to start it is that. also part of history and it did happen it did happen <laughs> sorry direct <laughs> I, I would like to... can be very serious and also inspire things that you never saw coming oh yeah um well, we can go way back to <laughs> no we're not going back to france ferdinand no 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 if you give the Iranians some weapons, <laughs> you cause the Iran Contra affair. <laughs> oh God! No, that's what started. I know, it. but we can't. We can't go. But we can't go that far back. <laughs> we can. We shouldn't. <laughs> we, yeah. No. Um. So, the reception of conquistadors around the world is going to be very different. Um. Obviously, some are going to be super excited. Um, because, you know, they gain wealth and power, or their husband came back and brought them wealth and power, et cetera, et cetera. Some are more focused on the, uh, you know, hey, these guys are, you know, committing genocide things. And, I mean, some conquistadors even turned on their profession and their co-workers, I guess, their colleagues, um, uh, and, like, denounced the conquistadors one even wrote a book about the atrocities that he witnessed that got a lot of traction some people did pay attention and note that this is extremely hypocritical for supposedly christian groups to literally just massacre people um but their techniques that border i mean they were torture they didn't border on torture um they would burn the soles of native people's feet to make them talk (sighs) and like take 
like take them to gold and resources. They attempted to destroy, destroy entire cultures by ruining their writings and books. And I'll talk about that more because there are certain civilizations where there was a concerted effort to literally destroy all of their writing. Um, there were some of their international neighbors that weren't happy with it either. Not because they were appalled necessarily what was happening, because a lot of them were like, uh, yes, we too have committed mass genocidal atrocities, but because they were freaked out that their neighbors were getting this wealth and influence that they didn't have. Mm -hmm. This could be especially seen with Protestants as they saw Catholic powers like Portugal and Spain all of a sudden receive this massive like influence and sway over the land and you know the not holy not roman not empire um and in order in order to like validate validate their hatred of these like their frenemy neighbors their other european countries sometimes they wouldn't even like pretend to be like they, they would hide their financial jealousy essentially between this false narrative of like exploiting tragedy in their favor like did they like, they had just done terrible things as well to the native people and other groups in war, but they were willing to turn around and be like, what they're doing is unacceptable. It's terrible for the people and the indigenous cultures and all this. And they were getting, like, very self-righteous about it for people who had just done it before. But their real motivation was, you know, fear that their neighbors were going to be become more powerful than they were. So... This international outrage did end up spurring a passage of laws in 1542 to protect some of the indigenous people. Um, but who was also going to enforce these rules? Right. The conquistadors were like, okay, do something about it. And when Spain realized that the conquistadors were actively dis disregarding it, they did start pushing for their own officials to go to the New World and monitor things, to kind of set up like this proxy government monitoring system, which they didn't, I mean... Yeah, but, like, some of these people were still incredibly cruel and didn't care if indigenous people were being exploited because they could be paid off easily or, you know, whatever. Um, the conquistadors, a lot of them had this idea in their head that they would rebuild this sort of feudalistic society in which mm -hmm. they were at the top because, you know, they got the largest percentage of the take from each of their um, conquests. And so they didn't love abiding by these rules, but it put this this government system that the monarchs put in place did ruin that for them. It's kind of, mm -hmm. it, 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 I'll explain it later, but these viceroys sort of thing did ruin their chance, their wish to create a feudalistic society in which they were the benefactors. And I feel like it's karma for all the conquistadors that found nothing and just went home dejected and alone as you should. Jerks. Um, some yeah. did stay in the Americas and end up working. It's kind of like a demotion of a job what's the word demotion is that word no opposite of promotion would be a demotion Demotion, yeah, yeah. um because they end up having to like do physical labor to maintain lands and stuff like that unless you were one of the really which ones that had that could force indigenous people still to do horrible things um others decided to just keep colonizing and moving further and further away from these government monitors um, that were there. So we really see the conquistadors take new lives after, like, due to changing laws and just the way the world was changing in general. But some of them did keep going. And then we start seeing colonization on a mass, like, mass, mass scale. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
next week I will get into how each of our three previous cultures were individually um, over like destroyed um, and the steps and the kind of chronology of that because it's very interesting to see how they each fractured um, from sickness and I didn't really talk about sickness today because that's a, a weapon in and of itself is like we talked about biological warfare but um, we'll see that one pop up a bit more next week I just it's it's so weird because like different sicknesses travel differently and you know, accidental versus like on purpose infection and all that. It, it's kind of case, case by case. So we'll talk about that more next week with our individual three case studies. But that is a not so brief, but still kind of brief overview of the conquistadors. Because if I did all that, plus next week's today, we would be here for three hours. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was good. Thank you. I appreciate it was that. A lot. Not going to lie. Uh, really, I was feeling it today. Yeah. Um... My brain's a little gone. Good, good. I'm impressed, especially after the day you had that. Yeah, I've been looking at legal paperwork all day. Uh, yeah, you did a good job. Thank you. Sorry, I'm finishing You're a good. really bad little doodle. You're good. Um, well, we can do our recommendations while recommendations. you do Recommendations! What do you got for me this week, Catherine? So my recommendation is to... I don't know if I've said this before. I feel like I should have if I haven't already. But is to go visit... A, if you can, either a museum or a website that is not something you would normally visit because of your interests. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm, I'm learning so much through this process. And I took on a topic I was not comfortable with and I didn't know as much about as I should. And I'm just realizing how important it was for me to just take that leap and, you know, put the information in front of myself and then how easy it was once I just took that leap and found the info. So that's my recommendation. Like go to a museum about something you don't normally, you're not normally interested in or or go online. Just open up a Wikipedia article. Yeah. I know that's a lot of people's hobby. They just go and read random Wikipedia articles. Um, So do it, you know, I have a good recommendation. Um, hold on, I have to get... My other rec is to watch Cars. <laughs> we watched that last night, and I realized that, I guess the last time I seen it was probably like 10 years ago, and dang, it holds up. Oh, it's such a classic. It's such a classic. Um, I was probably being annoying, because I can quote the whole movie, basically. Nah, you were um, good. Yeah, so my recommendation is... A YouTube video. It's about 30 minutes long. And oh my god, it's worth it. Really? It will fill you with just some of the most existential dread you will ever experience. I don't know if that's good for me right now. <laughs> but it's so well done and it's so, so good. It's called Time Lapse of the Future, A Journey to the End of Time by the YouTuber Melody Sheep. Oh my god. It's oh. basically how the universe will end. Uh, I can't do that right now. I'm sorry. I watched it last night and I was like, ooh. I might be able to watch that like after my next big event when I'm not stressed (laughs) and like dreading everything in my life already. That's fair. I, my last big event was literally yesterday. So I watched it last night and I I didn't get the recommendation. I've, someone on TikTok was talking about it, but, um, so I was in a, maybe a better mental space than you are, but it is, if you like space and if you like learning about space, watch the video Mm. and if space because i know space kind of a lot of people don't like space because it scares them um because of how just big and vast and just you know that reason 
for those people, I would not recommend this video. If that reason comforts people, like it does me, mm-hmm. I find comfort in that. Yeah. Then watch this video. It is so, so good. Okay. And it is actually really informative. And there's a lot of like scientific experts and everything. I think they pull some quotes from Stephen Hawking and oh. like it's the graphics and visuals are amazing. Like literally like turn off all the lights, put it on the biggest screen you have. Oh, it's like, it's like you're watching like an IMAX. Oh, it's so, so good. it's not like someone just talking to their camera. No, it's no, like no, a no. Full produced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It literally goes to the end of time. Oh yeah. Um, I will watch that someday and get back to you yeah. on it. But for now, it's called no. time lapse of the future. It's, it's honestly very good. But like I said, if space fills you with a sense of dread, maybe don't watch it. If you like yeah. space because you find it comforting that it's, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Then I would recommend. Okay. But yeah. So very that's cool. mine for the week. It's an unusual one. I like it. I love space. And I have been realizing recently, like, I really want to get back into like, cause I used to watch everything I could about space. Mm-hmm. I used to read everything I could. Like I love space. You gotta love that passion. And if I had discovery plus, I would be watching like, all the space shows on it, mm-hmm. but I don't. So maybe I'll look into getting it, but yeah. Anyway, so that's mine. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So- I would have been some sort of space something if it didn't involve literally every kind of physics under the yeah, sun. Yeah, no, it's a lot. So <laughs> I was like, oh, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess it means it's my turn. Yes, it is. And I have no clue what you're doing. Yeah. So our kind of theme this week was collapsed or, you know, demises demises of civilization so i was kind of you know poking around seeing what i wanted to do i had a brief moment brief fleeting where i was like soviet union oh my god i was like no no (laughs) no because i (laughs) cats just finishing up this five-week series i would start another one today literally like oh my god no <laughs> my brain can't so, that right now yeah no and i knew that yours was gonna be big so i was like no I, i'm gonna do i'm gonna stick it to something easy something simple and i was poking around and um i stumbled across a wikipedia article literally called societal collapse and i was like ooh, this is fun perfect read um and it talked about civilizations that had been just kind of abandoned and i was like oh i like that so one of the suggested was an island called malden island i've never heard of this i hadn't either and it's definitely like micro history hey but it's it's still history it's still fascinating and that's something i love about history is that everything has a history yes so i want to learn about the history of everything and sometimes i'm like Oh, the history of scissors. I should do that for the podcast. And I was like, no, no one cares. <laughs> but I, I'm, I, I'm I care and I want to look, I want to look into it. So that's kind of where I ended up today. And it is like a quirky little island and it has a lot of history that you wouldn't expect. So okay. that's why I was like, yeah, let's do it. So Malden Island, which was some kind, sometimes referred to as Independence Island when it was first discovered, um, is a very like barren island way off in the pacific ocean way off it is tiny 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 it's only 15 square miles or 39 square kilometers in area that's how big it is whoa 15 square miles the longest that's a it's a country tiny tiny island the longest point 
from like that you can get on the island. Wait, is you said fifteen square miles. That's the entire oh, space. Oh, square on the miles. Island. Oh, my brain was picturing. I was like across. I was like, that's pretty good. No, no. Oh, square miles. Square miles. The oh. longest distance on the island that you can measure is about five miles. Like okay, you could walk. It is small. Clean across across that island in okay, like an hour or two. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it is extremely arid. We don't have much more vegeta- vegetation on it other than like some shrubs. Trees don't even live here. Um, it is an atoll island. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. A T O L L, atoll something. But which basically is a ring shaped island. A T O L L. I think it's atoll. 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 Whatever. I um, think I've heard it. Yeah, that's one of those weird ones. Like, I think I've heard it pronounced yeah. atoll before, but then I'm also like, maybe that person was saying it in passing and also didn't know. Yeah, I have no idea. So if you know how to pronounce that word, let us know. Um, it, which That kind of island is essentially a very small island with a lagoon in it so that it forms a sort of ring-shaped island. Okay. So that's what's happening here. The lagoon in this one is not too big. Um, but I'm sure when the sea level is high from like storm yeah. storms or whatever, like it does kind of diminish the land area there. Um, a lot of the times these are formed from like coral islands. So they're like connected to coral reefs and stuff. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case with this one. This is just a true island that just popped up out of nowhere. Um, yeah, they are mostly located in warm tropical or subtropical oceans. There are about 440 of these type of islands in the world, and most of them are in the Pacific Ocean. Hmm. Uh, and this island is also classified as a K, which is a very tiny, tiny, low elevation, sandy, mostly sandy island that is can be found on the surface of a coral reef. Um, these occur in tropical environments and are found basically wherever there are coral reefs just your typical the caribbean caribbean the pacific the indian ocean like blah 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 okay so that's that's kind of island it is um this is a small boy yes this is one of the line islands and all of the line islands do belong to the republic of kiribati which is um a small republic in kind of the polynesian island area kind of north of australia okay yeah where there's a bunch of kind of fragmented islands throughout this island the malden island is located 242 nautical miles south of the equator 153 sorry 1530 nautical miles or 280 Wow. Okay. 2,834 kilometers south of Honolulu and more than 4,000 nautical miles or 7,000 kilometers west of South South America, which is the closest continent. Like we are in the middle of nowhere. The closest island is called Starbuck Island and is another uninhabited island. And it is 110 nautical miles or 204 kilometers to the southwest of Starbuck Island. So like... We are far away from any sort of civilization. The closest inhabited place is Tongareva, which is also called a Pinrin Island, or on Pinrin Island, which is 243 or five nautical miles or 450 kilometers to the southwest. So, like, no, we are not anywhere yeah. near anything. Like, it is one of the remote places that on this like, world what do they talk about the, like the most isolated mm-hmm. um the, all those lists like the most isolated place in the world yeah like this is definitely on that list like we are not we are not close to anything 
The island is roughly equilaterally shaped. The sides are about five kilometers long. And again, that's where you get, or sorry, five miles or eight kilometers long. That's where you get the, um, the distance is like how far it is. Um, there is, it's a pretty shallow kind of weirdly shaped lagoon. It's mostly to the East central part of the Island. Um, so it doesn't take up the whole Island. So most of the actual land on the Island is on the West with like the lagoon kind of occupying about half of it. Okay. Um, and it is very, very flat. Like I said before, it doesn't come more than 10 meters or 33 feet above sea level. And that's at its very highest point. Like if there's a storm here and you're there, you're just being (laughs) 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 like, there's not even a tree for you to hold on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's significant because like I said, the vegetation is extremely limited. Um, there's maybe like nine indigenous species to this Island that they have discovered. Um, but I think there's maybe like 20 ish species of plants and life that they've found on there. Um, what's important about this island, it's a very important breeding spot for about a dozen species of birds, and it's oh. also significant to their migration route. That makes um, sense. You need a little pit stop halfway yeah, across the ocean. Yeah, it's literally, that's like, it, that's why it's important. Um, it's actually now considered a nature, it's established as a nature reserve for oh, that reason. Yay. Yeah. Um, some of these species are the mast boobies and the red fooded booby. <laughs> The birds, yes, Catherine. Yes, I know. I know. I know the bird. It was a subject Along of every middle. It was a subject of every middle school or science class joke. That and the great tits too. <laughs> the what? I have not heard that one. There's birds called tits. Oh, I just know they just the... look at birds and they're like, you know what that reminds me of? <laughs> okay, Cal. In the Wikipedia, this is literally... not just me. Not just me. In the Wikipedia article, they have a picture to the side where they list the bird species. And it's a pair of masked boobies <laughs> as the caption. And I was like, hee hee. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, anyway, as I said, it's a very important stop on the migration route. Um, specifically, birds travel to that are traveling kind of to Alaska back and forth. It has two types of lizards that live on there. The morning gecko and the snake-eyed skink. Um, Along with the brown libellulid dragonfly. So we are talking very limited animal life here. I'll say very, very small biodiversity. Yes. Um, at some point in the future, cats, pigs, goats, and house mice were all introduced to the island. Huh. Um, the goats and pigs have all died off. But apparently feral cats and mice are still present. Which I thought was interesting. It's also home to hermit crabs and green turtles like to nest on its beaches. So, like, not a lot going on on here. But it sounds like a great time for everyone. Um, What makes this island so significant is that this dry, barren island that literally doesn't even have a source of fresh water on it. Mm -hmm. No trees are on it. Mm Mm-hmm. When they discovered it in 1825, rediscovered, I should say, there were ruins on it. Like, like, ruins. like stone, like structures, like stone structures, ruins. Not like shanty lean tos, but stone. Mm-hmm. When did they discover it? In 1825. 
I know. So the if they're in ruins, that has to be done they're over old. time. They're old. They're not just like oh, modern ships were using no. it as a pit stop and brought fresh like fresh mm-hmm. supplies every month, but no. like ruins. And they were like there's accounts of ruins when they first discovered the island. So not even like when we went back in like the 1900s to look at it again. Like ruins are on this island. Do we have any dating for the ruins? Nope. We don't even know for sure what who produced them. Ooh, I know, right? Oh my gosh. This is why I was like, yes, I'll do this one. Yes, no, I love it. I got, I got little chills. I know, right? So scattered around the island, there's about 40 just kind of archaeologically significant sites. There, it's a variety of kind of stone structures to different clearly man-made um, ruins that are left on the island. These are located mainly around the beach ridge and on the south and north sides of the island. About 21 of those 40 sites have been identified. Um, there are temples, houses, graves, roads, like People lived here. I'm really trying to comprehend, like, if ships could have been capable of getting there. Like, like who's There's ships? no fresh water on this island. Exactly. So they have to be bringing it like, and it's in barrels. so far from everything. You'd have to be refreshing it mm-hmm. all the time if you were using it as, like, a trading route or stuff. Not to mention, I can't imagine how you would farm anything. You'd have to get... You'd have, you'd to, have to bring everything. Yeah. I... It's mind-blowing, really. So these structures that have been found on the island do bear resemblance. And it's thought that they were built out of stone just because, I mean, again, there's no trees on this island. So stone is what they had. Um, And if you look, they kind of look like low, flat buildings. Pretty simple in design. But they are clearly structures. Like, that is a house. That is a temple. Whoa. Yeah. Um, So... Uh, they bear similar um, resemblance to a few different places on islands nearby. Uh, it's the, the running theory in what probably happened is this is a group of early Polynesian settlers who lived here, bringing their, um, you know, their culture with them mm-hmm. and their building tactics with them. It's actually thought that this is like early Polynesian groups too, because it's not super similar to a lot of like the more recent Polynesian exploration sites that we have found, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarities, there's, it's particularly, blah, blah, blah. The temples there bear a strong resemblance to the structures found on Nan Madal in Pompeii in Micronesia, which is about 3,400 miles away. That's far away. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the Polynesians are well known as travelers. Like they went everywhere, but it's, by sea, especially. Yeah. Like they traveled much longer distances. It's so than... astonishing to me. Whether it was Polynesian, whoever no did it. No fresh water. No fresh water. And they lived there. They died there. They made graves for people who died there. They set up shop. They built houses and temples and roads. This is no simple trading stop. This no. is a civilization. Yeah. People were living there. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, my brain is trying to compute this. Mm-hmm. It's not doing well, but it's trying. Yeah. So most historians agree that there is a distinct Polynesian resemblance to some of the structures suggesting a Polynesian influence. Um, Others state that there is a Melanesian influence, while 
Um, others still that there are like say that there are clear differences between what is seen in Malden and all the other cultures too. So they're like, I see what you're talking about, but this is its own thing, which is why it's kind of theorized that maybe this is like really, really, really early. Yeah. Um, and a lot of historians, or not a lot, but like many historians actually believe that this could be the site of where like Polynesian religious beliefs kind of evolved into a newer version. Okay. So like whatever was happening when they, you know, were occupying this Island, Mm -hmm. it was like a turning point in the culture, which is why those structures are are like unique to that Island and not super similar to a lot of what's around it. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's like they're similar, but they're not the same. But it's not mentioned in like any oral histories. Like no one's claimed it. Yeah. Not that I saw. Um, Also, like, we haven't been able to actually do a lot of research here because it's so remote and because the living conditions on this island are so harsh. Just the money it would take to get there and, like, send a crew there is, like, makes it so that research basically cannot be done. Yeah. Like, we have what we've had since the few times, like, we've been through there in 1924 an archaeologist came through, but that's about it. I feel like the next time they go back, it's going to be just gone. I know, right? Like, oh my like God. it will have just disappeared into the <laughs> annals of history. Aliens. <laughs> um, so it's theorized that maybe a population of between 100 and 200 people could have produced, could have lived in the structures that are on this island and produce them and blah, blah, blah. Um, they're the, probably the most intriguing and the most convincing to me that these people intended on living here for a long time are the network of roads because it's not just a couple roads yeah it's a network and these That's roads were planning yeah i mean it's city planning literally the, well, the <laughs> like, first thing you do is build shelter the second thing you mm-hmm. do is usually build a temple yeah yeah or like some market meeting place Agora. and so the fact that they had gotten to the stage where they are building roads yeah like on such a small space too uh-huh. because like that's the last thing if it's already that small i wouldn't think to build a road yeah i'd just be like you're gonna traipse through a little bit of a meadow yeah, yeah but that's okay. like eventually you'll wear a path it'll be fine and that implies also the use of trade the ability yeah. to like need the need to pull stuff across a sort of paved road uh-huh. not just i can carry it on my back but exactly. like i'm pulling something with yeah me. something significant of significant size <sighs> Dude, I, and we don't know who it is. We don't I'm, know. I'm a little Kids shook right are, now. It's very early Polynesian cultures. But, but they were in the middle of nowhere. How did they How did they get there? And how did they live without fresh water? And how did they bring that many resources to build all that? I'm to telling you, man. I'm I'm going to dream about this. I'm going to this Dude, is going to sit on my mind for like months. This is why I did this island cuz it's this like is cool. What? This is awesome. What? Um so the roads were made from large slabs of basalt. That are fit very tightly together. They cross the island and the beaches. And significantly, a couple of the roads seem to kind of lead into the ocean. And this is very intriguing for a number of reasons. Most likely, it's just kind of like a docking situation. I was saying, it sounds like a dock in a lake where you just pull but the ship up. But because we haven't been able to go back there, we don't know if the road kind of ends, you know, where... Like under it, the water. Yeah. Or if they continue going, because Polynesian, like, mythos does say that there used to be an island under all of the 
not a, a continent under all of the islands in like the Polynesian area that has since been lost. So it's thought that Stop. if there's oh growth, my God. this is a very far theory, and I don't think it's taken very seriously by a lot of people, but it is fun, so I'm going to say it. But that... Aliens. Aliens. So... Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> so let me read the exact quote. So Mitch Williamson, who is a researcher says, quote, sea levels have not risen significantly during the last three millennia. A future research shows that the paved paths extend beyond the current water edge of the beaches into the sea, then it would have been proven that these relics must be of pre-Polynesian origin because that continent was literally, if it's real, thought to be around 50,000 years ago. Wait, I'm doing that math in my head. Like thirty to 50,000 years ago. Hold on. My brain's physically not able to do that math. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to... Qu- we're qu- talking... That means we're talking like pre-everything. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Again, I don't think this is a leading theory, but it is fun. And it's... So, okay, so this is a quote from a website. So it says, quote, such stones have been found in other similar structures found on Pacific islands and perhaps answers may be found in Polynesian legends. The people believe that the islands in the Pacific Ocean are the last traces of an earlier continent named Mu or Lemuria that had sunk many centuries ago. That would be incredible. So if the roads still go, this is some ancient alien shit, but I don't care because it's fun. No, because like, I'm... My brain and, went to, like, an actual Atlantis. Yeah. Until we can go back, which doesn't seem like anyone's trying to go back anytime soon. Let's take a cruise ship full of archaeologists. I'm telling you, I found, like, a Wikipedia article and then, like, a tiny, tiny little Britannical article. And then the rest of them were, like, dot nets. I mean, they had the same information across, yeah, so but it's, like, like, kind of legit. But, like, yeah. there is not, like, a lot written We don't have a lot of, place. like, academic resources. Yes. Because it's just so hard to get to that we just don't... Fill a cruise ship with archaeologists. Right. Like, really. Yeah. They can just swim. Give them a couple margaritas and set them loose <laughs> on the island. See what they find. Yeah. Um, no. So it's, like, crazy. The possibility. And it's so crazy to me. I mean, I get that the financial barriers are, you know, very restrictive. Especially for researchers who are, like, relying on funds from universities mm-hmm. and everything. And... It's hard. It's hard. And I get it. Oh, yeah. We get it more than y'all know. (laughs) Everyone's like, why would I pay for you to go to some dinky little island way off in the middle of nowhere? Because it's cool. Again, I'm getting (laughs) the vibes from um, National Treasure 2 where, um, oh, my God, I'm forgetting her name. How could I ever forget her name? Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. Yes. Yes. She's like, this is going to unlock pre-Columbian history. And you're like. Imagine, like, what people could find if they were just able to, do, like, Dude, fund these projects. I know. Um, so, yeah, that's basically all we know about the what's there. Um, they also, like I said, contain temples. There's also these pyramid-like platforms that have... Um, that are capped with dolmens or compass stones. So some sort of navigation is happening, like... People lived here, and we don't know who anything for sure, or anything. Like that's it's so, so... Cr- you are talking about an existential space video, but that's more existential to me. Really, this is the, the entire entire civilization, mm-hmm. an entire population. Just mm-hmm. we have 
and without the money to research them for like we don't know anything yeah we like, don't know group, why they were there that's existentialism to me like mm. that like that you can just die and go away yeah in complete... we don't know why they were there why they left if they left or they just died off like we don't mm. know what happened we don't know if a big storm came through and just them all off the island like we maybe don't... they had like a sort of oasis no. water situation and yeah. it got it, it the water le- sea level rose or maybe. changed or it sank or we broke off not... if there's volcanic stuff in the area maybe it literally broke off and they like i'm telling you dude this is why I picked this island. This is so cool. This tiny little island is so cool. This is amazing. Oh my god, this is why we love history. So yeah, it's. I mean, I was like just browsing, and then as I was reading it, I was like, no way, no way. There's roads. No way. Roads. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I said, the earliest documented sighting that we have of the island by Europeans. So basically, its rediscovery was on. March 25th, 1825. And I say it's, I think it's kind of legitimately a rediscovery because it doesn't seem like there's any evidence of people of any race Mm -hmm. or origin being on this island since those original structures were built because they were still completely intact. Right. And there was literally nothing else on the island except for these structures. Like maybe the people in the area kind of knew it was there, kind of like a Machu Picchu situation. But I have a little bit harder of a time believing that because it is so far from everything else it's very easily it's more believable to me that the people in the area just kind of forgot it was there because it's you know a tiny little uninhabited island mm-hmm. it's not like they could pull it up on google maps you know <laughs> like google sir google so um on march 25th 1825 captain Samuel bunker of the whaler alexandria of alexander of nantucket um, in his journal mentioned that uh, they basically they saw of London by kind of, I think of a rival ship, a rival whaling vessel. Mm. Um, they like document it in, or he documents it in his journal saying, quote, it proved to be an island seen by the Sarah Anne of London and the independence of Nantucket. And it's thought that the independence ship is why it's sometimes called Independence Island, even though we don't really know why it's called oh. that either. Um, I love historiography when you have like no actual answers. Like, yeah, yeah, just, okay. We think yeah. it's because of this. <laughs> um, but he didn't actually land on it. It wasn't landed on until sometime in the summer of 1825. I saw the two dates for this, either in June or July of that year. But um, Captain, <laughs> Captain, this was the title I saw in all of the sources: the Seventh Lord Byron. <laughs> <laughs> amazing a cousin of the famous poet (laughs) um he was he was in charge of the british warship the hms blonde they were returning from london from a mission in honolulu um and they like happened upon this island i'm not sure how they were really off course it sounds like but the island was actually named after lieutenant charles robert malden who was the navigator of the blonde um, and he was kind of the first one to briefly explore it. So people kind of came to the island on and off during like the heyday of American whaling because it was like one of those islands you could kind of stop by. In 18, 1918, a schooner, um, so a ship named Annie Larson, that was actually famous 
and like had played a critical role in something I've never heard of called the Hindu German conspiracy in World War One. Googling it right. Have now. you ever heard of that? No. Are you about I to go background at, or do I need to Google no, it? No, because I, I looked at the Wikipedia article. It's so big. What is it? The Hindu German conspiracy. And I was like, that's an episode. Literally, I'm telling you the because you can kind of like the way I do it at least for people who aren't having to do um podcast notes on history every day is if i want to know how long a subject is i'll pull up the wikipedia article and look and at just, the intros paragraphs and we'll just kind of scroll and see how long it is this is a long article oh but uh, okay i'll pull the God. definition it's because the background information yeah. on it is so complex yeah oh wow this so is... the indo-german conspiracy with this is from wikipedia was a series of attempts between 1914 and 1917 by the indian nationalist by indian nationalist groups to create a pan-indian rebellion against the british empire during world war one so the ship they like <laughs> abandoned it there <laughs> okay like randomly and i was like okay so now we have a connection to world war one there we go and sometime in the early 1900s maybe probably in the 1920s the u.s guano company under the guano islands act of 1856 laid claim to the island okay yeah and what the guano islands act of 1856 basically is um gives U.S. companies the right to uninhabited islands that have guano in it for the purpose of removing that guano, which was used as a valuable agricultural fertilizer. And as we learned last episode, also used in... Everything from gunpowder to almost Civil War bombings. (laughs) Yeah. So... Sorry, World War bombings. There you go. Um, So I was like, oh, we are building bridges here. This this tiny little island is very involved in world history and even more because I'm about to tell you why. And it's also going to be kind of surprising. Um, So there was kind of a bit of a battle between like an American company and Australian company operating under British British license. Um, But eventually I think the Australian company won out. Uh, so they basically set up shop there and were farming guano, um, about through the 1930s and then it kind of got abandoned again. While they were doing this, the writer Beatrice Grimshaw visited Malden, um, and described it as, quote, glaring, the glaring barrenness of the bit of island, shade, coolness, and refreshing fruit, fruit, pleasant sightings and sounds there are none for those who live on the island it is the scene of an, of an exile which has been endured somehow or other she described the author described malden as containing quote a little sediment fronted by a big wooden pier and a desolate plain of low grayish green herbage relieved here and there by small bushes bearing insignificant yellow flowers <laughs> okay. so like this is this is nowhere and it remains yeah, to be nowhere yeah Fresh water for settlers was produced by large distillation plants. So, like, they had to manufacture their own water. <laughs> own yeah. water. Um, which, I don't know if your family ever watched, like, the survival shows. Because my family no. was super into survival shows. And that is one thing I always remember. Because it stressed me out so much. Was, like, if you get stuck on an island where there's no fresh water, how do you get fresh water? Mm-hmm. And, like, I will always remember this guy, like, rigging up a thing of how to, like, basically collect condensation water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I saw yeah. that not on a Survivor show. I think it was Mythbusters. Oh, that also makes they sense. They may have done an episode Maybe about it was it. Mythbusters. They, I, I did watch a lot of Mythbusters. I, was like, I don't think I ever watched Survival shows, but 
and yeah. maybe unless I was flipping one time and saw it, but like I do remember that because I think about that all the time too. Yeah, that's like, like if, one if of those anxieties. Apocalypse and lost like fresh water. You just like gotta put your salt water like you just need to heat be able to heat it and get yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so i wonder if like the people who lived on there were doing something like that but that's to produce that for 200 potential inhabitants that's a lot that's so much like oh my god i ugh, that's crazy. overwhelmingly a lot yeah um so there were about uh i guess the the laborers who lived there was probably about 30 people who lived on the island during the the guano farming period and they kind of put up some basically like lean tos just little shelters for them to live in and unfortunately it did involve the endangered servitude of some of the natives of the local islands to come down here and were were controlled by european people so i'm sure not a really great work environment especially you're on literally one of the most remote places in the world yeah so not the best yeah like I said, though, it was kind of abandoned in the 1930s um, and left barren again until 1956 when the United Kingdom chose Malden Island as the instrumentation site for Operation Grapple. Excuse my Googling again. I'll tell you what it is. Oh, okay. Which is the first... Of the H-bomb tests. I was wondering if it was going to be... Because you need some more super isolated. Mm-hmm. It's the first Bikini Bottom. Yep. <laughs> so. That'd be a good episode. Between, bottom, Like the actual H-bomb testing. Yeah. Between May 15th and... May 15th, 1957 and June 1957, there were three new thermonuclear devices um, that were detonated, like, basically on the island, a short distance offshore. And that was, like, the first of the okay. H-bomb testings happened at this island. Well, And then. I was like, this tiny little island has such it's a been big history. Yeah. Oh, it's just so cool to me. Like, this tiny little and island. we don't talk about it. I've never even heard of it. It's just like a, okay, whatever. It's like one of those islands you see for sale for, like, 40,000 bucks. Like, <laughs> and it's got such a big history. I just think that's so, like, cool. And it was a big deal. Like, many high-up people from the British government were there, obviously, to um test the bombs and they even invited the governor general and president of fiji at the time so like huge huge deal okay yeah so after that i mean it's still kind of barren and empty on september 20th 1979 representatives of the united states and kiribati met to sign a treaty between the two nations that is called the treaty of tarawa tarawa um Basically, this treaty recognizes Kiribati's sovereignty over Malden and the other islands in the Line Island group. So that officially puts it in Kiribati's control. And then Malden was reserved as a wildlife sanctuary um, on May 29th, 1975, under the 1975 Wildlife Conservation Ordinance. And this is to protect the, the breeding grounds of the birds that pass through. I mean, so. yeah, I, I could not make a full ocean flight. I need a little pit stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that tiny little island is its history. And I just thought that was so That's cool. That's so cool. Like, oh my God. Could you imagine just like... It's really one of those places that time forgot for like yes. thousands of years. Yes. And we, we have discovered it. And we still know so little about it. Stuff like this makes me really excited because... 
Yeah. It feels, especially in the time that we live, it feels like mm-hmm. we've discovered everything there is to be discovered. Right. Well, and, and sometimes... even though we might have discovered it, we still don't exactly know all about it. I was going to say, that's the thing. With satellite imaging, it's like, yeah, we know everything on the top of the Earth, mm-hmm. in theory. In theory. In theory. Yeah. But, like, what's below it? What's, what's under the it? ocean? And it just... Like, we're still finding little islands yeah. that we don't know. And it's like, even if we know how visually everything looks, uh-huh. there's always something yeah. we'll learn. And even if we, you know, we know that this island has ruins on it, but we know almost nothing about the ruins and who produced them and why they're there and, mm-hmm. you know. And that just makes me feel... I don't know. (laughs) A while back, I had this realization. Actually, not a while back. It was like when I was nine years old. Talk about existential. That's a while back. (laughs) It is a while back. Um, I I have a distinct memory of me reading like some fantasy book and like putting it down and like having a moment of I will never have this life. Yeah. Like this is never going to be my life. And not just because, okay, like, I'm not a fantasy person, but because, like, that potential doesn't really exist in our world anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And part of me died, you know, yeah. on that day. It's hard for a kid to realize that. I, it's still hard. It still well, sucks. So stuff like this makes me kind of excited because yeah. still a little bit is there, one you of my, know? Yeah, one of my best friends ever, she desperately wanted to be an explorer. Mm-hmm. She was... She just wanted it. She was like Nancy Drew. She wanted to be a detective and explore things and figure things out and go all over the world and explore them. And she was devastated when she realized that there, that it was already all there. Yeah. That like, that there was no back of the map. She always Mm. thought that someone still got to discover the stuff on the back of the map and the day that her dad told her that that's all of it, you know, like there's no more. She was devastated. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. So, and it's stuff like this. Plus, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, the very unassuming island, literally nothing there. Mm-hmm. And it's like the key to a whole civilization, potentially. Yeah, maybe like, the only lasting piece that we will ever have and we yeah. could lose it with one big storm. Yeah. And it's just, it's so cool because it reminds me that like history is so cool and everything has a history and it's, ah, it's just, I really appreciated learning about this, this tiny little island. Yeah. So you never know everyone else did too. But yeah, that is all. That is all for me today. That folks. was very, very good. I have never heard of it, and I love Thank it you. when you bring me things that I've never heard of before. So that's my specialty. The Hindu German, uh, I that would look like a very long article. I might have to like read it tonight yeah. instead of actually doing my research for. It's when we record on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do it. Mm. It's just hey, take your own advice and read something. Read something new. Yeah. So anyway. That's all today, folks. That's all. Well, that was, very, again, very good job. Thank you. Um, you did a good job, too. Well, thank you. So we'll be back at you with more history next Tuesday. Cal and I have been the reason we're early recording. I don't know if we've mentioned this. is because the holidays are going to get a little busy for us. So we yes. are preemptively recording ahead, which is a great idea. But when you have to do this much research for every topic... It's a little bit much sometimes. So we're trying to keep I ahead. I think that I was going to say that, but it's also Native American History Month coming up. Because I was going to tell you, you need to take a big giant break and just do some easy ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to need like a big old break after a while. Why don't you just do some bios? Those are always fun. Bios are fun. There is fun There are easy. a couple people that I've really wanted to do bios about for a while. But um, yeah. Yeah. So... 
we'll, we'll, we'll see what, maybe I'll just keep on this streak and I'll just ride the high of doing topics I never, I was always too intimidated, intimidated to do. You also don't have to do that. We'll see my energy level is in the next few weeks. <laughs> next weekend, I'm dead. But after that, I pick up a little bit again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll yeah. stop talking. If yeah, if there is something you want to hear, you talk to us by means of Twitter, and you tweet at us at t i n a h l podcast or email at this is not a history lecture at gmail dot com. Either way you slice it, we want to hear from you. Absolutely. And every review you leave is super helpful. Every review is one more tiny little island that has cool history that I get to learn about. Yes, exactly. Perfect. There we go. Yeah. I had fun. I did too. This is a really good one. Yeah. And yeah, no matter how scary in the world out there is, thank you for tuning in. Hey, at least Liz Trust resigned. I still Well, we don't know that things aren't going to get worse because of that. Well, (laughs) I saw a TikTok and it was like, it was like. I made this graph of how many Liz's are currently in control of the UK. Like, since 1953, we've had one. Really solid. For a brief moment, we peaked at two. <laughs> then we were back to one again. And now, no Liz's. No Liz's. So for the first time since 1953. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Gotta love TikTok. <sighs> Bring in the humor. I was not expecting can. that, I will say. But I apparently other people were. Um, I yeah. mean, I'm not super in deep into united kingdom politics because yeah. we've got enough going on but that was that was a bit of a oh a shocker. <laughs> yeah it was like oh that's not what i expected to wake no. up to this morning on my phone yeah. but oh, man. yeah anyway. so stay safe and healthy as possible out there and hopefully we'll we'll see you again next week absolutely and just a reminder that this has not been a history lecture <laughs> bye